All righty. Good afternoon, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Team Capsules, NFC South, and we are on to the Carolina Panthers. And uh, Wiz, before we get into the Panthers, I, I know you want you, you spoke to me a little bit, and uh, it was nice to hear from our, our good friend uh, Term Anthony Terminello, who we uh, compete against each and every week uh, during the football season. He's in a lot of our leagues. He's one of the more talented guys out there. But uh, I just wanted you to share with the listeners, uh, you know, what 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 Term said to you uh, about this particular podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he Term's in a bunch, a bunch of leagues and uh, does very well. Um, he's, you know, always competitive and uh, usually uh, has strong showings uh, year in, year out. And uh, told me that he uh, was a little bit behind this year, wasn't paying as much attention to it as he probably should as he gets close to August. And he said uh, he was catching up the best way he knew how by uh, listening to our podcast and listening to all of the team capsules. And I'll be listening to all the ones we continue to do as it gets uh, closer and closer to the season. So I wanted to thank him. And we have uh, several people who, uh, you know, uh, who always reach out to me and, um, and and talk about the podcast, how much they're helping them. And I know that makes us both feel good that, uh, you know, teaching people, you know, it's one thing, there are two things that we set out to do, right? One is, you know, to inform people about the leagues themselves and what is fantasy football and the different type of leagues and kind of the mechanics of it. And then, of course, what we love to talk about the most is players and strategies. And, uh, you know, it, it feels good. I know you feel the same when people reach out and, you know, thank us and uh, say we're really helping them and they find it so interesting, uh, you know, because that's really what we've set out to do. Oh, it's the best compliment you can get. And in terms of one of these guys that's been doing this forever, right? He can do it in his sleep. Uh, and he's prepared. He cares. And like Wiz said, he was a little bit behind. We, we caught him up. You know, guys, you know, there are friends of mine like Jimmy O'Mara who, you know, continue to walk into leagues unprepared and wonder why each and every year they're leaving without making any money or winning any checks. And that's because you're not preparing properly. And Jimmy, you should start listening to the podcast like some of the others out there. Absolutely. So speaking of uh, people who have been inconsistent, let's get to Sam Donald here. And uh, will the question is, will leaving Adam Gaze be the formula that Sam Donald needs? Um, I have him as borderline quarterback, too. But he's one of these guys that I think is interesting. I wouldn't mind drafting him as my second quarterback. Uh, in, in two quarterback league formats, just to take a look and see how he does with that new offense, uh, new coaching staff, a lot of talent around him, which we're going to get to in this uh, podcast. But how do you see for Sam Donald? Are you going to view him as a quarterback that you may take as your quarterback too, or you're going to take the wait-and-see approach regarding Sam Donald? Yeah, the intrigue, the intrigue is definitively there. So, you know, you leave the Adam Gase system, which was woefully inept. Uh, you enter the Matt Rule slash Joe Brady team, um, different you know, different philosophy offensively. And I think a player that would be very helped by a change of scenery and a change in coaching staff. And I said, the one thing that's kind of interesting Wiz, is, I guess last year you look at the beginning of the season and there was some good noise around, around this offense and around Teddy Bridgewater. But as the season wore on, things became, you know, really a disaster for Bridgewater where 
I want to say in his last seven or eight games, I think he had three or four passing touchdowns. You know, the offense really bogged down a bit. Like, you know, we talked about Mike Davis in the in the preceding um, podcast, and obviously he was uh, injected into the lineup because of Christian McCaffrey being out of his lineup. And I think you have to, all things being equal, you have to look at that as being a hit for this offense. But Sam Donald gets an opportunity to rekindle, uh, re- reignite himself, rejuvenate himself. This is a guy that came out of the out of the NFL draft with very high expectations, a victim of circumstances with the Jets organization, and now he gets a second lease on life. And, and yeah, I'm intrigued as a second quarterback without a doubt. You mentioned the weapons are here. There's some familiarity with players, which we'll talk about a little bit. Not keen on the fact that they lost Curtis Samuel, but they did draft Terrace Marshall. So I'm excited for Sam Donald to definitely turn his career around and he gets every opportunity to do this in an offense and look this is a team let's face it David Tepper aggressive hedge fund guy owns this team they definitely were looking at Deshaun Watson they could have looked at a quarterback here but this is the direction that they decided to go in so the eggs are in the basket Sam Donald is the guy and I think he's going to really live up the expectations that kind of were with him when he came out of the draft but was really held by held back by the New York Jets system. Yeah, but I, I agree with all of that. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't mind, you know, taking a chance on him as a quarterback, too, where I could kind of stream him and and a plug-and-play type situation and uh, also have the ability not to rely on him on most of the weeks. But could, you know, put him in there if he gets off to a hot start. Um, Christian McCaffrey is returning from – Kind of an injury plague season. He got hurt, made a comeback, then, you know, was kind of lost for the remainder of the year after he re injured himself. So, they, you know, he was a no brainer, overall number one draft pick in fantasy drafts. My question to you is he's certainly, you know, a first round pick. He's certainly a top five guy. If you have round one, pick one, and you have that pick, are you taking Christian McCaffrey? with the number one overall pick, or are you considering maybe taking a different player? No, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. I, I just am. Uh, I, I know there'll be a lot of scar tissue out there from players who, who drafted him before or from people who didn't have him and look at how his season went. But those very few games that he was on the field, he was extremely productive once again. He's a unique player, uh, I and we really didn't get a chance to see him in this offense and what he could do. So uh, I'm, I'm taking that chance. I'm not afraid. I think he's a guy dedicated to his craft and working out. He'll come back strong, and I really am excited to see him in this offense. Yeah, I think there's not much else to say when you're talking about such a great player. He just does it all. You know, he's a, in a PPR league. He can carry a team. There'll be weeks, few weeks, more than one, where he'll basically win you your fantasy football game. He's that good. He's that explosive and, uh, and does it all. Um, the Panthers drafted Chubba Hubbard from Oak State. Um, By the way, know, Wiz, guess, you, do you, Wiz, do you know why they you, – did you hear some of the reasons why they drafted him? Was it? You mean not nothing to do with McCaffrey, though, right? Well, no. Matt Rule's wife remembered Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, and she told him the to draft. Yeah, and pick him. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I did hear that, but yeah, that's a, that's a funny story. I heard him tell that story where he, he's saying his wife, you know, said make sure you draft him. Um, and he's a good player, and he was a terrific college player at Oak State, but. He falls under the category of, like, if something was to happen to McCaffrey, you're not going to get a lot of 
the stats back that McCaffrey was going to give you. So I understand that he's next in line, but like if I could steal somebody else's handcuffs, quite frankly, I'd rather do that than just worry about drafting Christian McCaffrey's backup. Like, you know, to me, I'd rather have uh, an Alexander Madison or one of these type of guys uh, as a backup, because even if something were to happen to McCaffrey, I just don't think you're going to get a lot of the stats that McCaffrey's going to put up. But if someone who's a traditionalist and says, I got to try and get the handcuff on the running back that I draft, you know, okay, so be it. But uh, yeah, that's how I see it with Hubbard. Uh, well, it's interesting too, is it's, it's interesting because last year, right? If you, if you have McCaffrey and you had Davis, uh, and we we know Pat Leno was in that situation, right? It kept him. It certainly kept him as very competitive having the backup. So, and yeah. I know Chubba Hubbard took a big hit in his production in college from where he was in nineteen to twenty. So you're saying you don't believe this will be the same type of situation. So if you're Pat Leno this year with Christian McCaffrey, you're not sure you're going to get the same return if if unfortunately something happens to Christian McCaffrey. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, I think I think in, in in our league, that particular league, we're drafting a lot of players, so I think it makes more sense to try and get the handcuff. I'm just saying you're not going to get, you know, a lot of the stats that McCaffrey's putting up, thinking that, you know, okay, the backup is just going to step in and, uh, and do that job. But, you know, he looks at this point to be the direct uh, guy if something would happen to McCaffrey, so I can understand it. I just don't think he's a terrific college football player who's ready to start producing as a, as a rookie in the NFL. But uh, that is just, that is just my opinion. Uh, what else is my opinion is I see DJ Moore as wide receiver two, Robbie Anderson as kind of wide receiver three. Uh, and then I think, you know, something would have to happen to one of those two players for Terrace Marshall or, um, or David Moore to become fantasy football relevant this year. How do you see it with more Anderson and the rest of that receiving core this year? So I, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a little confused with this group uh, and where to kind of rank them, uh, particularly when it comes to Anderson and more. And so when we look last year, Robbie Anderson started off the year as, as very strong, uh, and he finished the year with the most catches on this roster. Most targets, 136. Most catches, 95. 1,100 yards, only three touchdowns. There was nobody scoring a lot of touchdowns in this offense, only 16. So Teddy Bridgewater, that's the whole reason why they got rid of him. Yes, he threw for 3,700 yards. Yes, he nearly completed 70% of his, of his passes, but he couldn't get the ball in the end zone. So I think Sam Darnold has an opportunity to easily surpass 20 touchdowns in this offense. You've got some gifted players. He's got a rapport with Anderson. Moore extends the field a bit. He, got, he has one of the higher yards per catch average in the season. As you mentioned, Terrace Marshall will kind of come in here, and he will basically be the third receiver in this offense. Curtis Samuel was the number one offensive weapon on this team for the last six or seven games. And he's gone, so there's going to have to be some targets that are going to be redistributed. Yes, Marshall will see some of those. I just I just think the, the most of those are going to go towards Anderson and Moore. I actually see it a little different, Wiz. I actually have Anderson, and you know I'm an Anderson guy. I've got Anderson ranked ahead of DJ Moore. You can call me crazy. I know he played with Darnold with the Jets. I like that angle a little bit more. And I think just from a production standpoint, when I look at those targets, I'm going to fit favor Robbie Anderson as the number one guy here and the number two receiver and I'm going to include DJ Moore as also a two receiver just because of the way he extends the plays but I like Anderson and Darnold to kind of reunite reinvigorate together and I see them as both number two guys 
not that you see uh, Robbie Anderson as a different tier ahead of Moore. You're just saying it's fairly close, both wide receivers too, but in a snake draft of both players were available, you would pick Anderson ahead of Moore. That's exactly right, yes. Okay, that, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to, you know, take you to the woodshed over that one. You know, I could see... Uh, you know, I, I could see your point. He has a familiarity with Anderson. There's a, there's, you know, I was going to ask you if you felt that that was going to maybe make the difference closer or put them about even or even give Anderson the edge, but you answered the question before I even asked it. Uh, Terrence Marshall's a nice player, um, kind of like um, uh, yeah, a you know, guy in that LSU offense. And Brady, um, Brady had him, right? Jo- jo- Brady had him two years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he he shouldn't be you know um, forgotten altogether. I, I just think like for him to be this year as a rookie receiver, fantasy football relevant, that may have to happen. Something with that may have to happen to the top two guys. Um, moving to the tight end position, uh, I mean, I know they got Dan Arnold. The Panthers acquired him, um, so. I think, you know, Donald and Thomas from time to time may flash and have different, you know, decent games and have some good fantasy football numbers. I think it's going to be too sporadic and unpredictable to draft either of those two players. So I don't have either of those two players as players that I'm looking at in where you're going to be drafting one tight end. How do you see it? Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I guess I was a little astounded by how much money was actually paid to Arnold. Um, and he did finish the season pretty strongly on a team that really didn't utilize the tight end all that much either, and that was the Arizona Cardinals. He did come out of the New Orleans system. Uh, Joe, Joe Brady definitely knew him from his days at the Saints, so I found it interesting that they kind of paid up for the player. I, I would say I'm watching that one a little bit more closely. I agree with how I would rank it to start. But I don't know, something, something tells me there may be something more to this, uh, and it's a situation I, I, that I'm going to watch as we move early in the season. I don't think he's going to get drafted in most leagues, um, quite frankly, and I think it's a, it's a situation that I'm going to be monitoring closely. Yeah, I think, I, I think you know, the fact that there's two guys there and there are a lot of players that are ahead of either of those two tight ends of the pecking water. So, uh, you know, I think Dan Arnold... Could have some games where he's, you know, prominent, but I, like I said, I think it'll be too difficult to try and figure out when that'll be, and I think it'll happen far too infrequently. Um, you know, I know the Panthers' defense had some big games. They made some big plays, a lot of scooping scores, interceptions, touchdowns. Um, but I don't really have them as a defense that I'm going to be drafting. And same goes for Joey Sly, who had a really regression in terms of his kicking, especially long distance. I think 50 yarders, he was only one for six. So um, to the chagrin of our friend Michael Meadows, I am going to take a pass on the Panthers defense and Joey Sly. Do you see it differently? Yeah, he had a lousy year last year compared to kind of expectations for him uh, coming into the season, right? He stunk. I got to tell you, some of those kicks were like with the game on the line, too where he was one for six from 50. I mean, yeah, he just was awful. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I just think, you know, I, I, my, 
I agree. I think the one thing is the team was willing to put him out there frequently last year. Maybe he turns it around. Uh, but I think the inconsistency will definitely keep people away uh, from him a little bit. I, I just want to say one thing about the defense, though, Wiz. I, I'll tell you. Remember two years ago, every single player was drafted in this uh, from, from, the, from the Panthers uh, was a defensive player. And, and we knew that they needed that. This year, they added J.C. Horn. Um, I'm intrigued by this group. If you haven't seen Jeremy Chin play, the guy's all over the field. He's playing all kinds of positions. Uh, you know, they drafted Derek Brown the year before. But I, 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 I wouldn't be drafting this defense, but it's a young and up-and-coming defense. Uh, I think a defense that we're going to look at in a couple of years and say, you know what, this, this, this is gonna, they're going to be uh, uh, make a difference maker, I think, at some point in time in fantasy over the next couple of years. This year might be a little premature in that, but they have some really talented players on this defense. Yeah, I agree with that. I just think they're in a division with some elite offensive weapons. So uh, that makes it that makes it a little more difficult. But uh, yeah, I think they could certainly and will get better, um, you know, over the next few years as well. So I agree with that. All right. Outstanding work as always. Wiz Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And a uh, lot to talk about next. New Orleans Saints, uh, a change is coming as the quarterback Drew Brees has left. So looking forward to discussing that, Wiz. Guru and Wiz, over and out. Wiz, thank you very much. You got it.